Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we talk to a leading school choice advocate about what he thinks is and is not working in the special needs vouchers program. I would say the program is working great. Uh, in fact, one, one piece of evidence to support that is that we've seen a 70% increase in the number of students accepted into the program this year over last year. Then, a new bill to protect patients from sexual abuse from their doctors. And after everyday tech, the current NASA administrator makes his last stop to the Stennis Space Center and talks about the ongoing quest to get to Mars. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Lawmakers continue to sort out how the state will fund its massive educational needs. Observers at the Capitol are questioning the so-called special needs vouchers. That's the program that allows qualifying families to use up to $6,500 of state money to send their special needs student to private school or to provide other private educational assistance. Last year, just over 420 students were accepted into the program. And so far this year, just about half of them have requested any reimbursement from the funds. But Grant Callen of the School Choice Advocacy Group, Empower Mississippi, says that doesn't mean the program isn't working. Callen spoke with MPB's Ezra Wall about education and about Empower Mississippi's goals for this legislative session. Tell me a little bit about your organization. Uh, How would you characterize your organization and what you advocate for? We are an education reform advocacy organization, and we believe every parent in Mississippi ought to have the freedom to choose where they send their child to school. One of the big topics of uh, discussion in the session so far has been last week's testimony of Superintendent of Education Kerry Wright uh, before the House Education Committee. One of the things that came out of that conversation was uh, a, a revelation that was a, a bit surprising to some, I, I, I think it's accurate to say, that uh, that relatively few uh, of the people who have been part of what's what's commonly known as as the special needs uh, vouchers or the special needs accounts that the that the legislature has set up have actually requested reimbursement from those accounts this year. About half of the people who have been approved for accounts, 400 some, uh, have been approved, and 200 some of those have have uh, have gotten uh, reimbursements or requested reimbursements. Uh, uh, some have t- taken this as a signal that the program has not is not working as intended you disagree with that that's right and i would say the program is working great uh in fact one 
one piece of evidence to support that is that we've seen a 70% increase in the number of students accepted into the program this year over last year. Uh, however, there are some little kinks in the way that the application process and window um, worked last year in that students didn't, they weren't notified that they were eligible, that they had been accepted into the program until mid-July, which is really about a month before school starts. And it's really much later in the year than most parents would need to have applied for a private school, kind of shopped around, found the right fit, applied and enrolled. And so by the time most parents found out, it was late in the year. And so we have, we have found that there are a number of families who have applied been accepted into the ESA program, and for whatever reason, either it was too late in the year to make a switch, or they decided they're happy where they are, are not actually using scholarships. So there's a waiting list of over 200 kids that want to get into the program. So what we'd love to see is just a better process to make sure the kids that get one of those precious slots in the program, make sure they're using it, and if they're not, let's notify the Department of Education so that other kids on the waiting list can be let in. Are, are there other recommendations that uh, that you would suggest for uh, how, how to improve the either access to or, or performance outcomes of the uh, special needs accounts? Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, moving up the application window earlier in the year is one thing that would help parents be able to get notified that they've been accepted much sooner in the year. Another thing would be uh, for parents, once you have received one of those slots, they ought to be required to notify the department before school starts whether they plan to use it or not so those spots can be freed up. Uh, and then lastly, I would say, you know, we encourage the legislature, as they have revenues, to fund this program to a greater level uh, and, and fund it to the degree prescribed in the law so that more slots are available. So this program was set to increase by 500 slots every year, but it was funded to only create 425 slots, and it didn't increase this year. So if it goes up every year, there won't be a waiting list, and if a student ends up not using the scholarship, it doesn't harm another student who doesn't get to use it. There's pretty wide agreement that in Mississippi more needs to be done uh, to make sure that the educational outcomes for special needs students is as high as it can be. Uh, but there is some disagreement among education advocates in Mississippi. Uh, some advocates argue that this particular program undermines rather than reinforces uh, education opportunities in the public school system uh, by by taking public uh, by Inauguration public Day is right around the corner, and in, Chapter in 1 of a new administration is set to begin. As stories or, take shape, or, or NPR private, will be here uh, with coverage you can depend on How do you to help to make sense this of it all. Listen every day. To harm and, and this is not the a First Lady style can telegraph a message. The idea uh, of her being inclusive was very important. Style made there's a lot of the transition from Michelle Obama to Melania Trump. Melania Trump is next. This is intended to give families another option if they have exhausted the solutions within our public education system. And the way it's funded, it's funded out of separate money. So it doesn't take any money from public schools and 
it allows kids to have another choice. And, but and, theor- you know, theoretically, though, I mean, I, I know that on, on paper, in terms of accounting, it's funded from separate funds. But the- theoretically, it's it's money that is directed toward an educational purpose. And if if the purpose were done a little bit differently, it, it could be directed toward reinforcing the special needs programs available in public schools, theoretically, couldn't it? Well, look. Every dollar we spend in Mississippi on education is intended to educate students. If those students are not being well-served in public schools, the money ought to follow students to wherever it will meet their needs. And that's really the ultimate goal. As taxpayers, as citizens, we want the children of Mississippi to receive a quality education. And if they're not receiving it where they were in public schools, let's make sure they're receiving a quality education somewhere. This program gives them the opportunity to, to find another program. I mean, and as we've seen, some try it and they love it. Some try it and find it's not the right fit. We just want them to be able to try. So your organization, Empower Mississippi, advocates for, uh, sc- for school choice, uh, basically, uh, for um, the, idea, the idea that uh, funds should follow students no matter what, what school they decide to go to, uh, private schools, public schools, etc. Is, is that a fair characterization? We advocate for a variety of reforms, including school choice. And yes, we would love to see education funds follow students to wherever will meet their needs. What, in addition to the things that we've been talking about, what, what else are you hoping for uh, in terms of either action or conversations uh, as part of the 2017 legislative session? Well, this is not really a, a legislative thing, but we are uh, enthusiastic about communities around the state that are working to put together plans to attract and or create charter schools. So, you know, as we, we've got three charter schools in Jackson that are doing well, that are serving students, parents love them. And we just need more of those in the communities where um, students are being left behind by traditional public school. Charters are public schools, and they give kids another opportunity. So we're working alongside parents and community members to help them uh, organize together to put together plans to start charter schools in some of these communities where they need them. As far as the access to charter schools goes, does it concern you that so far the, the only schools that are uh, that are up and running are in the Jackson area, in fact, in Jackson itself? Well, I think you have to start somewhere. And I applaud our state charter school authorizing board for maintaining a high bar on what's required to uh, start, start a charter school in Mississippi. And, you know, most of those applications have come from Jackson at the moment. But I am um, really encouraged that there's a number of things swirling in other parts of the state where uh, plans are underway for charter schools, and I think we're going to see some of those get approved. Grant Callen is the founder and the president of the education advocacy group Empower Mississippi. Grant, thank you so much for the time today. My pleasure. Thank you, Ever. In other news, Mississippi physicians who have sex with their patients could soon face prison time if a bill in the state legislature passes. MPB's Desiree Frazier reports. House Bill 340 would make it a felony for physicians to have sex with a patient. They'd also face up to five years in prison and up to a $100,000 fine or both. Dr. John Hall is with the Mississippi State Board of Medical Licensure. He says cases of sexual misconduct are rare but do happen. Right now, they're investigating six cases. He says medical providers sometimes report their colleagues. Other times, a spouse calls to say their loved one is having an affair with a doctor. We would gather as many of the facts of the case as we could at that time. Uh, And depending on the circumstances, we would 
in many cases involve the attorney general's office early on. Hall says Mississippi regulations don't specifically mention sexual misconduct. The behavior falls under the category of unprofessional conduct. Bill 340 raises the act to the level of a crime. A nationwide investigation by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is drawing attention to the issue. The report rated Mississippi 37 out of 100 for categories including discipline and reporting incidents. Hall says when doctors are found guilty of sexual misconduct, the board can revoke their medical license. However, physicians can petition to have them reinstated annually. House Bill 340 makes the revocation permanent. Hall says protecting the doctor-patient relationship is important. This is something that's hitting every jurisdiction at this point, and uh, it, it's, it's really, to my mind, it's just nice to see Mississippi out in front on it. House Bill 340 also applies to physician assistants, podiatrists, and acupuncturists. Desiree Frazier, MPB News. On his last visit to Mississippi, the outgoing NASA administrator is talking about going to Mars. Hear what he has to say after Everyday Tech. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On the next Fit to Eat, I'm going to show you how to make butter bean soup with ham and some other butter bean recipes. Registered dietitian Rebecca Turner will show us how to make a healthier corn dog. We travel to the Wise Family Farm in Pontotoc, Mississippi to see their butter bean harvest, and we have a very special guest, State Senator from District 49, Sean Tyndall, to be here and help me put it all together. So join us. Saturday afternoon at 1.30 on MPB TV. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. I'm Sherita Brent here with Wilts Couture. And this morning we're going to be talking about if you are considering cutting your cord to cable, we'll talk about some alternative options for you. Good morning, Wilts. Thanks for being on. Good morning, Sheree. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Since it is the new year, people are exploring different things when it comes to their finances and technology. And one of those things that I've seen a lot of my friends talking about on Facebook is they want to get rid of cable. What do you think about this idea of folks cutting their cable off? Are they still able to access TV shows and movies and things even if they don't have cable? Well, you know, really, they are. There's so many digital um digital options out there. And of course, the, the big thing this comes down to is what do you have for internet connectivity? Uh, one of the very first questions people need to think about. I know we've heard from, from callers in the past, especially across Mississippi, maybe in areas that don't have the greatest internet connectivity, but that is a consideration. But if you have a good internet connection or at least a halfway decent one, it's definitely a possibility and something I've been exploring myself as well. So why is that Internet connection so necessary or mandatory when it comes to uh, getting rid of cable? Well, a lot of your online services that you hear about, like your uh, your Hulu's, your Amazon Fire, um, Roku, which happens to be the one that me and my family, we use pretty extensively, they have to have an Internet connection to still bring that signal in. It's not like the old days of of pulling it out of the air. Now, that being said, there are still some channels in the air. You can get, you know, for those of us in the Jackson area, our major channels like, you know, 3, 12, 16, and 40 are actually in the air. And with an HD antenna, you can pick those up, no Internet required. But going beyond that to get your movie channels and things like that, you're going to have to have that Internet connection to, to take it to that next step. Talk a little bit more about this fire stick. I've heard that there is a locked and an unlocked fire stick, but I've really seen a lot of publicity about it lately. What is the Amazon Fire Stick? Well, the Amazon Fire Stick is very similar to things such as your Google Chromecast or your Roku Stick. And what these are is these are kind of gateways into Internet streaming of video programs. 
be it your regular TV channels and things like that. Now, of course, Amazon Fire Stick is extremely attractive if you're an Amazon Prime member, which mm. a lot of people are getting a little bit more into because it gives you direct access not only to things such as your Netflix and your Hulu, but also to those video and music channels that you get as a result of your Amazon Prime. It's not required to have it, but it definitely enhances the services available. Sling TV is something that I tried for a week where basically you can access TV channels over the Internet. So once again, it's that what you mentioned about needing Internet connectivity, uh, and you can stream these channels. They have a few different packages. I don't have a Roku or a Chromecast, so I was unable to filter it onto my television, but I could watch it from my phone. Have you heard much about Sling TV as a viable option? Um, a little bit. Of, one of the main things I've seen about it is it, it kind of allows you very similar to a cable package, but you can kind of, if I'm not mistaken, subscribe to different levels of packages. So say for the sports channels or for your more entertainment channels, your, your Lifetimes and USA, you can actually subscribe to the channels that you want and not to the ones that you don't want. Something, something that a lot of us have actually been kind of really desiring in just our cable or satellite packages really is to have that a little bit more customized. Do you think we're moving into an area where cutting cable is going to be pretty common? You know, honestly, Sharita, I really think that we are. I'm even starting to see um, some of the newer offerings like AT&T is bringing in some of the gigabit fiber into the area. We've seen this with some of your Comcast lines and everything else. They are starting to give more options because really the consumers do have this option now. They're not the only game in town anymore. We do have these cutting the cord options. And as a result, they're having to respond to that in order to remain viable because why do we want to subscribe to five, six hundred channels if there's really only 20 that we're interested in? So, yeah, I think we're going to definitely see more of this. And I think, honestly, I feel like we're going to start seeing the major providers, the Comcast, the DirecTVs, the Dishes, and, the, and even AT&T, starting to give us some more of those options in order to compete with these kind of options, just like what we're talking about today. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about cutting the cord to cable on Everyday Tech, the show, this coming Wednesday morning at 10. And you can send an email before or during the show to everydaytech at mpbonline.org. For Wilts Couture, I'm Sherita Brent. This is Everyday Tech on Mississippi Edition. Thanks for listening. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Hi, I'm Sharita Brent. On In Legal Terms, the focus is always you and your rights. From Miranda rights to civil rights, our legal experts will inform you of your right to do or not to do according to the law. Join us Tuesday mornings at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The administrator of NASA says he's optimistic the incoming administration in Washington will continue many of the programs currently underway. On his last visit to the Senna Space Center in Hancock County, NASA Administrator Charles Bolden tells members of the media about what the agency has accomplished under his leadership. First, he talks about one of the agency's highest profile goals, getting to Mars. We divided into three uh, broad uh, segments. Uh, when we talk about the journey to Mars, we're we're living in the in the 
first stage, which we call the Earth Reliant stage. We've been here since uh, the 50s, to be quite honest, where we uh, human beings are orbiting our planet. We go to a low Earth orbit where we can come home in a matter of uh, minutes or, or hours. Um, the next stage, which is we're getting ready to enter, and we'll fly the first flight on SLS on Orion in 2018. That will be a flight that will actually go uncrewed uh, to orbit the moon for some to-be-designated period of time, sort of a shakedown cruise for the, for the vehicle. And then about 2021, we'll launch the first cruise. And they'll spend about a 10-year period of time, the decade of the 20s, um, orbiting, primarily orbiting the moon. Uh, developing or, or finishing the development of the technologies and the equipment that we need to be able to feel confident that we can send humans uh, to Mars, life support systems, um, spacewalk, EVA systems, things like that that will have to be much better than they have been historically working in shuttle. We can't have a toilet, for example, that, uh, that can't make it for three years. You can't have a life support system that's not going to be able to sustain a crew for a period of about three years because it's to, with today's technology, it's about eight months to get to Mars and uh, then about a year either on the surface or orbiting the planet and then, then about eight months coming back. So the decade of the 20s will be what we call the pro we call it the proving ground, and it, it just means we're going to prove out the equipment and the human being because we've not operated in that kind of environment uh, for quite some time now. The exposure to radiation, uh, just a little bit different than it is in low Earth orbit. Uh, and then we'll move on to the third phase, which is the critical one that you talk about, and that's when we become Earth independent. And that will begin in the early 2030s. So we may, you may find that we send a mission um, to, to Mars, maybe to orbit, uh, before that, but the real time for Mars exploration and, and the Earth independent stage is in the 2030s. Bolden says he's hopeful the coming Trump administration will support many of the initiatives currently underway at NASA. He talked about what the agency has undertaken in the last several years. You have to go back to where we were eight years ago. We completely upended the agency. We terminated a program called Constellation. It was really, unfortunately, it was not making the progress that any of us had hoped. I, I think even if you talk to NASA personnel who were working on the program, they just didn't think we were, it, it didn't look promising. Um, so we terminated Constellation. The thing that happened was we were able to convince President Obama to preserve some of the good elements of that. So Orion, we kept and we're trying to make better. Uh, we decided that we couldn't go out and build all things new, so we've adapted the solid rocket boosters from the space shuttle but added a fifth segment to give us more power. Uh, we took the shuttle main engines. Those are now called RS-25 engines that Rick talked about testing here. And what we're doing now is working with Pratt & Whitney rocket down. I think it's Pratt & Whitney. Aerojet, Aerojet rocket, rocket down. down. Woo! Don't want to do that. <laughs> Aerojet rocket down to um, change from a reusable engine to a throwaway engine, if you will. And somebody's probably going to ask me the question, why don't we work on reusable stuff? Uh, shuttle was reusable. It was the first reusable spacecraft. So I have to remind people we've been here before. But um, you, you'll see a number of advances with SLS and Orion that we just weren't headed to with Constellation. The big decision that was made, the, the most painful one for me personally, uh, was to terminate, was to phase out the shuttle, uh, which is what we did. President Obama gave us two additional flights over what we originally planned because we were going to phase it out in 2010, 
It just worked out that we couldn't get the space station finished in time, and we couldn't get it provisioned enough. We couldn't get enough supplies, if you will, on board. So we asked the president for two additional flights. Uh, we were able to do that. Um, another benefit of extending a little bit was we were able to get an, uh, uh, a basic physics experiment called the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer uh, as a part of the space station. That would not have flown uh, had it not been for you know us being able to convince uh, first President Bush and then President Obama that we should really go ahead and fly that. Outgoing NASA Administrator Charles Bolden, who will leave his post in two weeks. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Deep South Dining. Then at 10, now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. And at 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. It's Marketplace Tech for January 9th. I'm Ben Johnson in New York. Today, Uber is releasing a trove of anonymized data from its cars in three cities, Sydney, Australia, Manila in the Philippines, and 